Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. to a Friday, Friday, September 15th. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays with it being a Friday. That's right, it is a Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Von Hansen's, not your normal meat market, craft beer, wine, spirits, amazing treats for your four-legged friends. Located 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. Visit them, Von Hansen's Meats.net. We'll have the $100 gift certificate available to you at some strategical point in the program. And you come with your weekend bet. We'll put $5 on it. And at the pressure, pressure's on, folks. That is true, Bob, because we are 2 0 to start the season. So let's make it 3 0. Of course, uh, the winnings will be going to charity at season's end. We'll dive into all the college football and NFL slate uh, that we can get to in today's program and we'll also make room for brian blewis from pro football network talking all things nfl props for the sunday slate of action with you around 11 15 today but as we typically do let's set the scene with today's poll questions and let's start with the kdos1060.com poll question which is what happens in glendale cardinals plus four and a half or giants minus four and a half and the giants lead things here 75% 75% of the vote, Cardinals sitting at 25%. There has not been an NFL game this week with the exception of the Jets and the Cowboys, and obviously the point spread greatly affected because of the Aaron Rodgers injury. But if you take that game out, no other game in the, on the slate this week has been bouncing around uh, more than the Giants and the Cardinals. It's been as high as six. Most locations at last look as of about 20 minutes ago are at four. And I'm sure some of this has to do with the Giants' injury situation. Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, who's excellent uh, with the hamstring injury that he suffered while trying to make a play on that blocked field goal in the first possession last week. He's been uh, missed. He missed some practice time, but he was limited yesterday. And Darren Waller, the hamstring injury, he, on his own social media on Wednesday, said, that he has some nerve issues with that. And then the next day on his own social media on Thursday said that he's not concerned about his hamstring. So who the hell knows what's going on there? Yeah, I even thought he said he was going to play. Like he already announced that on yeah. Thursday. So we'll see. Well, he, had, he was a limited participant in practice yesterday after not participating on Wednesday either. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, it's, it's New York City, I understand, but this isn't like uh, – the New York Post with some bold headline. It's the player actually you know, saying what he's saying. And whether we can believe it or not, I guess you know, from Wednesday to Thursday, he had a miracle cure. 
<laughs> we'll dive into that uh, around 11.30 today. Still plenty of time for you to cast your vote. KDOS1060.com. Flipping this on over to Twitter, at KDOSAM1060. Bob had a great conversation with Luke Jones. WNST.com getting all things Ravens. So what happens Sunday, Sunday in Cincinnati? Ravens plus three or Bengals minus three. The masses are still on the Ravens side of things at 57.1%. Bengals minus three at 42.9% of the vote. Yeah, once again, injury is a big part of this game, too. Mark Andrews may not play. Um, Luke was less than uh, 100% sure that Andrews was going to play this week. Obviously, he didn't play in week one uh, last week against the Texans. Uh, The Ronnie Stanley and Tyra Linderbaum injuries, who were at at worst. Well, Stanley's their most important lineman as a left tackle. Linderbaum might even be more important this week because he's a center. And he's going against Lou Ann Lou Ann Runo. I'll get this right. Lou Ann Arumo. Usually I get that right, but I didn't do it this time. It's a tongue twister. Lou, yeah. Well, I usually I work on that pretty hard, but not hard enough today. Anyway, against the Bengals defense, which has all kinds of changing looks, the center is a big deal. Uh, it seems highly unlikely that Linderbaum's going to play. Defense, I think we kind of knew what we were going to get because, you know, Humphrey was, is out and it doesn't look like he's got a chance of playing. And then Marcus Williams got hurt last week and he's out for a long time. So that's 40, uh, 50% of their secondary right there, uh, 40% when they go nickel, which is actually a lot for them, which I was kind of surprised that it was that much nickel. And uh, we'll see if that continues. But they've got a lot of injury issues. And obviously J.K. Dobbins, that whole thing with him, Going down with the uh, Achilles injury last week, it's Justice Hill and Just Edwards' time. We'll answer that question 11.30 on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. As I mentioned, it's a Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. The weekend specials here for you. Certified Angus Beef Tri-Tip Roast at $12.99 a pound. The Von Hansen's own Chicken Parmesan. I don't know. Chicken Parmesan sounds really good to me right now. That's at $5.99 a pound. The 8-ounce Chicken Skewers Butcher Blend and Rosemary Garlic, two for $12. Those are the weekend specials and so much more. Over at Vaughn Hansen's Meats and Spirits, 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. Friday spread games coming up here shortly, but let's take a look back at week two, Thursday night football. It's in the books with a 34-28 win for the Eagles. Let's talk about the Vikings first here. They fall to 0-2 now to start the season. Uh, there was a particular sequence in this game in which the Vikings were uh, marching down the field just before half following an Eagles score. Justin Jefferson had had an explosive play. He fumbled, though, into the end zone, which results in a touchback. It didn't go out at the one. It was overruled. Touchback, Eagles ball. They ended up getting three points before the half, so I think that that turned things on a dime there for this game. It was 13-7 to for the Eagles. Then to start the third quarter, two plays in, the Vikings fumble on a Kirk Cousins sack. Uh, Eagles get the ball. They end up scoring a touchdown and leading 20-7. to In all, the Vikings a little careless with the football four fumbles during the game that's true in fact they had four turnovers in their first 24 snaps uh which actually the 24 snaps went into the second half because the eagles had the ball for almost the entire game (laughs) including the first half uh so there's that but you know i think that's uh, certainly uh was a huge part of the game you're not going to turn the ball over four times in many win many games on any level of football 
and uh, that certainly uh, prevented them from uh, one of the reasons they did not win last night. I also want to point out, and I, we've said this before, unfortunately for Kirk Cousins, we have to say this a lot, he is one tough dude. He is constantly harassed, you know, without their two best offensive linemen last night, as it turns out, uh, with, you know, you know basically, uh, you know, you know, Darisaw didn't play. Uh, let, the, the backup to Darisaw got hurt in the fourth quarter of that game and got carted off, unfortunately, so they're down to their third left tackle by the end of the game. And we knew Bradbury wasn't going to play, but Cousins just got destroyed. I mean, it's uh, God bless him for taking hits. Reminds me, uh, you know, whoever you think, I've been saying for two years that J.K. Dobbins isn't going to make it through the season because he just gets hit too much. I think that Kirk Cousins is a candidate if uh, the offensive line doesn't get healthier and better when they're actually healthy that he may not make it through the season either because he just takes a lot of shots. The yeah, difference, at least Fields can move a little bit, but Fields, I think, actually gets hit more sometimes because he's trying to move and use his mobility. Yeah, I think uh, watching that Netflix documentary quarterback that followed Kirk Cousins, you saw the physical toll that it took on him and all the, the different oh. things that he tried to, to do to feel better throughout the 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 weeks as they were going on and compiling and certainly not off to a great start there with how many shots he took. I think it was technically racked up as 10 quarterback hits, but he was under duress a lot. He was solid though. I mean, other than that fumble, 31 of 44, 364 yards. I realize that the situation warranted itself for this as they were chasing points after a while. The ground game though was slow. Eight carries, 28 yards for Alexander Madison, uh, but they did not have a single rushing first down yeah well in fact that was the whole game you know is the just the dominance of the line of scrimmage on each side, each side of the ball by the eagles they outrushed him 358 to 28 and they had the ball for 39 minutes uh, Justin Jefferson, 11 catches, 159 yards. I don't know if you've heard this stat. It's been circulating around here quite frequently this morning, so we'll see if you've heard it. Uh, Justin Jefferson, at just 24 years old and through 52 yeah. games played, now has more career receiving yards than any Chicago Bears receiver in the team's 100-plus year <laughs> history. Not surprising. It's not exactly uh, – I don't even know who the leading receiver in the history of the Bears is. Uh, so, and I lived there and worked there for nine years. So I have no idea who it is. <laughs> so there has not been a, the passing game history for the Chicago Bears, not good. Sid Luckman literally holds some of the records still, and he played in the 40s. Uh, you have here... Uh, the next question regarding Kirk Cousins, it's certainly ramping up here. He's a free agent at the end of the season. You start the year 0-2 for the Vikings. Do you see if the Jets are interested in Kirk Cousins, get something for him before season's end? I'd be interested to see what they get for him. I mean, how high of a draft pick would the Jets be willing to give up? Um, I would assume it kind of depends on what happens with the Jets the next week or two. Uh, or what happens, for that matter, with the Vikings the next week or two? Because, you know, I know they've lost the first two games. You can make a pretty good case that they could have won both those games. Much easier case they could have won the first game against Tampa than last night. Because you can also make probably a better case that they were maybe lucky to come as close as they did last night, only losing by six, which was the number at the kickoff, by the way. Uh, so you know, there was all kinds of. Uh, 
depending on when you bet on that game, you could have won or you could have lost if you were on the Vikings side of things. Before I move to the Eagles here, I just looked it up. Johnny Morris from 1958 to 1967. He is that the Bears. That I should know. Yeah. I should know that because he was doing television when I worked in Chicago. I never met him, but uh, yeah, he was... Uh, uh, you know, he was a good player for them and kind of you know, anybody, I guess, that does anything on offense in the history of the Bears is a legendary player in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he had 356 catches, totaling 5,059 yards. Harlan Hill is two. And then Alshon Jeffrey is three from 2012 to 2016. Harland Hill was, uh, you know, the uh, you know the small college player who they has an award named after him. It still is awarded in college football now for I think it's F, the best FCS player. For the Eagles here, you had mentioned it. Time of possession: thirty-nine minutes and twenty-eight uh, twenty-eight seconds to twenty minutes and thirty-two seconds. In large part because of the ground game. DeAndre Swift twenty-eight carries, one hundred and seventy-five yards, one touchdown. Boston Scott five carries, forty yards. Hurts on the ground 12 carries 35 yards the eagles they had said that they wanted to get dallas goddard more involved they did but it was just six catches for 22 yards not much happening there you mentioned scott he's one of the players who got hurt he suffered a concussion and did not return in this game he left in the uh, fourth quarter and i think that uh, looking ahead for both these teams you got to really monitor the injury situation i mentioned derisaw and uh, bradbury uh, for the uh, for the Vikings, uh, you know, in addition, they lost a couple of defensive players, but at least a couple of, well, at least one of those guys came back in the game. But for the Eagles, you know, by the end of the game, they were without three of their top five defensive backs after Avante Maddox was injured during the first half. Uh, he's now possibly out for the season with a torn pec. Obviously, they were already without Bradbury and Reed, and as I mentioned, Scott went down in this game with a concussion. Uh, the Eagles and they were already they were already I'm sorry and they were already without Gainwell. That's why Swift got so much ac- so much action after what he had two touches the first game. Something and he like had that. Like 100, <laughs> had like a hundred carries last night. The Eagles are two and zero, but as you're pointing out here, injuries are now uh, racking up for them. They really just have not uh, hit their stride yet as a team. True, but I think the most encouraging thing about the Eagles last night, and granted, I don't think Minnesota has a very good defense, and if you want to look at the last two or three years, they've actually gotten worse every year on defense. They're like in the 30s now, they <laughs> the last season in pretty much every category. But the Eagles' defense, uh, the defensive front and their offensive line, which was not good, the offensive line was not good last week against New England. Uh, obviously, they were much better. But the fact that they were able to dominate the line of scrimmage, that part resembled last year. Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. We dive into the college slate. It's it's not featuring a lot of uh, ranked opponents against each other, but we'll still find some ways to dissect games and find some winners here with Friday spread college action on the other side of the break. It is the extra point with Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And as always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. College football dissection of the weekend ahead is coming up next.
Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060. AM 1060 online at kdos1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Cable Mortellaro with you. Friday spread brought to you by Vaughn Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Let's waste no more time. Let's get into it. College football action here. Florida State and Boston College. It was 26 and a half. It's down here now to 24 and a half. Maybe has something to do with the expected weather on its way from yes, absolutely another hurricane. Over yep. under sitting at uh, forty six and a half. Boston College lost in overtime to Northern Illinois. Barely beat Holy Cross last week. Uh, when it comes to Florida State, obviously their big time win against LSU. I do have to ask you though, Bob, what do you make of Jordan Travis? I think he's good. Um, he certainly improved during his career. Mike Norbell's done a really good job. He certainly did a good job with quarterbacks here when he was an assistant coach for Todd Graham. Uh, he did a very nice job developing quarterbacks at Memphis before he got the gig at Florida State. I think that uh, you know quarterback uh, you know, whisperer might be a little too early to say that, but he definitely gets quarterbacks to improve while he has them. Uh, so we'll see with that uh, what's up with that. Uh, there's no way I could get involved in this game. I'm not taking Boston College. You mentioned they've been awful the first two games. They're lucky they're not 0-2 and two at home against Northern Illinois and Holy Cross, and they're 1-1 one and one in those games. Uh, but the bad weather and the fact that Florida State plays at Clemson next week, I have no interest in the Seminoles this week. Might be interested in them next week, though. <laughs> LSU and Mississippi State. Earlier it was 9.5. It's moved to 10. Number coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app at 53.5. Uh, Mississippi State being plus 10, that is. I've seen a lot of people on Mississippi State side of things here. Uh, have they really been that impressed under new head coach Zach Arnett? Or is it more of an anti-LSU sluggish start offensively in game one type of thing? Yeah, I think that was. I think that's more it than anything else. Also, LSU did not have you know their defensive stud uh, lineman Mason Smith for that first game against Florida State. He did come back and play in Week Two for them. I remember he got injured in the Florida State game last year, and a year later, to the almost to the day, he wasn't able to play. But he did play last week. He makes a big difference on their defense. He is a NFL player before he was injured last year. I'm sure the NFL people will evaluate him and see if he's still an NFL player when they see him this year. Uh, I think that there's got to be some anti-Mississippi State because they should have lost at home last week to the U of A, but the bonehead U of A coach and the bonehead U of A quarterback prevented the U of A from winning the game in Mississippi State last Saturday night. Yeah, Mississippi State's secondary is certainly surrendering a lot there, so you'd have to think that LSU, Jaden Daniels, would be able to find a way to take advantage of that. Uh, This isn't the same Mississippi State team, and the fact that the air raid system has been greatly modified. Will Rogers, though, he's completing 72% of his passes. I'd even say that the air raid's been eliminated. I mean, uh, they're more run than pass now. 
When it comes to the next game here, uh, let's go to Kansas State and Missouri. Missouri plus three and a half. They are the home team over under sitting at 48 and a half. Numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Why is this only three and a half? Uh, Missouri has only five plays of 20 plus yards and have attempted no fourth down conversions this year. Uh, Is this where kind of Kansas State gets themselves back on track? I think they're on track because beating Troy as badly as they did last week, Troy's good. They won 10 games last season. They have at least three NFL defensive players on their team, Troy does, and Kansas State kicked their ass last week, just completely dominated. Uh, I don't understand this number either, quite frankly. Uh, you know, Brady Cook, the Missouri quarterback, has been, I think it's safe to say, shaky in the first two games of the season. Uh, there are a lot of people, though, that are on Missouri in this game, so God bless them, and I'm not going to be one of them. Penn State in Illinois here. Penn State on the road. It'll be Drew Aller's first road game here, minus 14.5. Illinois plus 14.5, over-under sitting at 48.5. Penn State's defense is 14th in success rate allowed and 10th down, 10th uh, in third-down conversion rate allowed. Illinois, conversely, on offense, is only two plays of 30-plus yards so far this season. Uh, you, As I mentioned, you have Drew Aller as the quarterback for Penn State, but you also have a tandem at running back with Nicholas Singleton and Kate Allen. Arguably the best running back tandem in the country, unless you want to go to Michigan. I guess that's probably the argument. And I'm sure when they play them in a couple of weeks, that'll be a big uh, part of that game. The last time these teams played was in Happy Valley. They played nine overtimes. Uh, It was unwatchable football, and there were a lot of injuries during the nine overtimes. And because of the way that game went, that had a lot to do with the change of the overtime rules of college football. Uh, so uh, Penn State's got obviously much better offensively since then. We talked about it yesterday about the offensive line being improved so much. Uh, Illinois has really been bad the first two games, five turnovers. The defense uh, has not been anywhere near. Last year they were first in the nation in points allowed. They lost three players in the first three rounds from that defense to the NFL draft. Walters, their defensive coordinator, has gone to Purdue. And I know Brett Bielema is still there, but I'm sorry. They just look like that Illinois, they actually should have represented the uh, Big Ten West in the uh, championship game of the conference last year, but they choked at the end of the season. And they look like they might be a bad team, Illinois, this year. Yeah, and the conversation also surrounding Penn State is, is this top to bottom uh, James Franklin's most competitive squad? Uh, Can they make a run here for uh, Ohio State and Michigan that have kind of separated themselves in the conference? So those are kind of some of the things that you have to do, take care of uh, struggling teams on, on the road. I don't think there's any doubt that Penn State has the most talent under the James Franklin era, and I think a lot of that has to do with the offensive line, which has been somewhat average or inept in some of those years. Not anymore. I mean, they've got a really good offensive line. We mentioned the running backs. Uh, But I'm not going to believe in Penn State until they beat either Ohio State or Michigan. I believe Franklin has beaten – I know he's beaten Ohio State once, and that was on a fluky game with two block kicks. And I think he's only beaten Michigan once. Uh, in his time at uh, Penn State, at least when Michigan's been good the last few years here. 
Uh, so I, 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 I'm going to need to see it to believe it. And then if they do that, um, I don't know if I'll be all in, but I'll be thinking about at least being in some. Friday spread continuing here with the college slate of games for Saturday, Minnesota and uh, North Carolina, Minnesota plus seven and a half, North Carolina minus seven and a half over under sitting at 50 and a half. Uh, You know, certainly Minnesota's offense is anemic. Uh, They have been able to at least defensively uh, hold teams hold teams down. Um, UNC, how do they respond after needing two overtimes last week to beat Appalachian State? Yeah, uh, anemic offense is a good way to put it, but their defense is historically very good. Uh, What's the number you use there? I'm sorry. Seven and a half. Okay, I'm in a pool of all the college and pro games, and seven and a half is the number on the pool, and I want to take them plus seven and a half, but I don't know if they can score enough points even against what seems to be still a suspect North Carolina defense. That's something uh, you know, me and my partner in this pool are going to have to, I'm guessing, argue tonight when we discuss <laughs> this game. Uh, maybe not argue, but just try to agree because I assume he's probably thinking Minnesota also. You just got, you know, can Minnesota score enough points to cover the number? Uh, even against uh, you know, North Carolina's going to score some. Uh, but Minnesota's good defense. They've got usually pretty good special teams, even though they've been a little shaky in that area the first two games, too. Uh, Minnesota's aside if I do anything here, and I'm considering it at least. Northwestern and Duke. Northwestern plus 17.5. Duke minus 17.5 on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Over-under sitting at 48.5. Riley Leonard is completing 64.4% of his passes, averaging 9.3 yards per rush for Duke this season uh, from the quarterback position. I guess the question here for people is, uh, is Duke good or was Clemson bad? I think Duke is good. I think the question in this game is, is is Northwestern still really bad? Uh, obviously, everything they went through during the summer, uh, they actually didn't have that many players transfer out, which you would have expected with everything happening with Fitzgerald's firing and so forth. So they've got some of the same players. But remember, this is a team that won one game straight up last season, Northwestern, and then they looked completely inept against Rutgers last Saturday at home. They blew out UTEP. UTEP plays at the U of A tomorrow night, by the way. Uh, but they blew out UTEP, so now there's a little confusion. They made a quarterback change in Northwestern before last week's game, uh, but you know, the question is, is Northwestern good enough to hang with Duke? This used to just be the academic bowl, Duke and Northwestern, but uh, we got at least one team here, Duke, which I think is actually a good team. They were good last year, and uh, I wasn't all that stunned when I was watching that Clemson game on the Monday night to start the season this year. I wasn't planning on previewing this game, Alabama-USF, but I will just at least mention here that a couple of minutes ago it has been announced that Alabama is going to be actually starting Tyler Buckner at quarterback. Congratulations. Good luck on that, folks. Um, We didn't see enough of him at Notre Dame. Uh, This has got to be a Tommy Reese influence thing here. Tommy Reese was the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Buckner the starting quarterback to begin last season at Notre Dame. Got hurt in the second game of the season for Notre Dame. Didn't he's he's athletic? Uh, can't throw the ball very well, at least unless he's had an amazing improvement throwing it. Uh, to me, as we mentioned yesterday, 
uh, to I don't care if it's who the quarterback is. If you don't block somebody, which they did not do last week against Texas, if you don't find some wide receivers, which they didn't seem to have the last two years now, and then the most surprising thing other than the offensive line to me is that do they have a running back? So I don't think it really matters who the quarterback is for Alabama. It also isn't going to matter in this game uh, because South Florida is one of the worst teams in college football, quite frankly. And this is actually the first road game against a non-Power 5 team since Nick Saban has been the coach at Alabama. That's true, yes. Uh, SDSU, Oregon State here. SDSU plus 24.5. Oregon State minus 24.5. Over-under sitting at 48.5. Just kind of wanted to dissect what DJU has been up to. Game 1, 20 of 25, 239 yards, 3 touchdowns. Game 2, didn't need to throw it much. 8 of 13, 107 yards, 2 touchdowns. 24.5 points is certainly a lot here, but this Oregon State offense is certainly humming. Yeah, I've got Oregon State to win the Pac-12 at 10 to 1. I'm staying with that, but 24 and a half is a lot here. And they start Pac-12 play next week, I believe it is. Uh, San Diego State is not good though. Uh, they've taken a lot of steps backwards here. Uh, they got destroyed, and it could have even been worse. And it was on the scoreboard last week when they were playing at home in San Diego against UCLA. UCLA just demolished them. As I mentioned, if uh, if Kelly wanted to make that game worse and run it up, he certainly could have. Washington traveling to Michigan State, 16.5-point road favorites. Uh, Michigan State plus 16.5 over-under, sitting at 55.5. Michael Penix Jr. already has 859 yards and eight touchdowns on the season here. The question is, can Michigan State put some pressure on Penix? Some numbers from his time at Washington, 5.6 yards per dropback when he's pressured, 9.2 yards per dropback when he's not pressured. They got a good offensive line in Washington. Not as good as Oregon State's, but it's good. Uh, you know, there's no question that Michigan State's going to bring some pressure. Well, I shouldn't say no question. I'm guessing there's no pressure because of their coaching situation. Mel Tucker, I can't imagine he's going to coach another game ever in Michigan State. But Harlan Barnett, who was a really good defensive back when he played at Michigan State, is now the uh, interim head coach. And Mark D'Antonio... Uh, who was the uh, head coach there in some of the glory years for Michigan State, a lot of the glory years, certainly all the glory years this century. Uh, He's now going to be part of the process. He's on the staff. I don't know what his official title is. And he was a tremendous defensive coordinator. He, He was a defensive coordinator when Ohio State won the national championship over Miami in 2002, and he likes to bring pressure. So you just mentioned the pressure numbers uh, for Penix, and I would be really surprised if Michigan State did not bring uh, blitzes and some heat on, on the quarterback. If it works, we'll find out. But we'll, uh, yeah, That's going to be an intriguing game for me to watch just because I want to see how Michigan State's defense with D'Antonio actually goes about things. Tennessee minus six and a half, Florida plus six and a half. This uh, total has actually moved two whole points. Uh, it was earlier in the week, 58 and a half. It's now currently on FanDuel, 56 and a half. Uh, my question here is Florida is better than they showed against Utah, right? Like they have to be. I don't necessarily think so. I mean, they were highly unorganized, pre snap penalties in that game, all kinds of issues. You mentioned the total has moved. 
That has everything to do with the weather situation. When that total was lower earlier in the week, it looked like that there was going to be some horrendous weather in Florida for this game. That appears not to be the case now, Uh, so we'll see. Tennessee's lost nine straight times at Gainesville. The last time they won was 2003. Uh, We'll see how this goes. Tennessee not off to a good start, so much so that the players had a players-only meeting after they played on and won last Saturday against some inferior team, and I can't remember who they played. Uh, but you know, they, they had a meeting after the game. They were so unimpressed with themselves. Napier, on the other hand, straight up has not beaten Tennessee, LSU, Georgia, or Florida State, which are considered to be their four rivals. Amazing that a school actually has four rivals. But Napier is also 5-0 and zero against the spread as a home underdog. I just don't trust Graham Mertz as a quarterback, which I mentioned when we talked about the SEC in our season preview way back in July. And he's done nothing through the first two games that changed my mind that I now should trust Graham Mertz as the quarterback. He wasn't good at Wisconsin, and I don't think he's done anything to impress me in the first two games at Florida. Wyoming and Texas, Wyoming plus 29 and a half, Texas minus 29 and a half over under sitting at 48 and a half. Uh, Texas can certainly cruise to victory here without having to cover an insane 30 point spread. Uh, Texas should easily be able to dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, Wyoming has a really good defense. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that they have the best defense in the Mountain West Conference. Uh, they're going to just try to run the ball on offense. You know, they the, the new clock rules really suit their style of play. And you mentioned uh, you know, yesterday or the day before, earlier this week, at some strategical point, and I'm just going to throw the whole week into the account because I remember I don't remember exactly which day it was about uh, these kind of situations. You know, Texas coming off the big win. Texas next week plays at Baylor. Uh, to start the uh, Big 12 play. Uh, I'm waiting to see how high this number goes, and I will be on Wyoming. Uh, Colorado State and Colorado currently uh, seeing Deion Sanders and some sunglasses on my television screen here. Colorado State plus 20. Shocking. <laughs> plus 23 and a half. Colorado minus 23 and a half. Over under now up to 62 and a half. Uh, so certainly we have the situation with Colorado State's head coach Jay Norvell's comments, and that's kind of been taking taking over this contest heading in. Uh, but with Colorado having Pac-12 play looming uh this is certainly an interesting little little matchup now yeah um i'm not really i don't think there's much handicapping involved here quite frankly i'm just hoping that Colorado wins by 100 uh, because i want to be on oregon next week and i want the most favorable number i could get for oregon and i would be stunned if i were not on oregon next week because i think the colorado should win this game rather handily and uh, we'll see how many points I have to lay next week with the Ducks. And I'm willing to do that at least right now. The local matchups. Fresno State is in Tempe. They are three-point favorites. ASU plus three over-under sitting at 50 and a half. Uh, Fresno State took down Purdue in week one. Needed overtime to beat Eastern Washington in week two. Mikey Keene, he's the new quarterback for Fresno State. Uh, 599 yards, 65.1% completion percentage, six touchdowns and two interceptions interceptions questions here for Jaden Rashada uh you know how does he handle his third college game 
Well, also, Dillingham got drastically and badly outcoached last week. In the first two games, they've had 10 men in the field on defense and 12 men in the field on offense. It seems like they've been an unorganized mess. Uh, Rashada, the more I see him, the less I think of him. We'll see how this goes. Uh, Fresno State, two things. One, they had the longest winning, second longest winning streak in the country uh, going back to last season. And while they lost some key players from that team, they still have some really good players. And then also Jeff Tedford, one of the best college football coaches for years, whether it's been at Cal or Fresno State, uh, I think that he has a huge coaching advantage in this game. Yeah, we saw you know last week. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, it was a coaching mismatch last week. I think it could be even more one this week. Um, I actually have a little two and a half. Uh, there was minus one in this game when it opened. I think there might have been like one person in the planet that actually got the minus one before the line moved. Uh, so definitely on Fresno State in this game. I just think that ASU is bad, and uh, they're actually, I thought that before this season. And uh, I actually think they're worse than I anticipated, and I wonder how many games ASU is actually going to win this year for the whole season. UTEP and U of A, UTEP plus 17 and a half, U of A minus 17 and a half, over under 57 and a half. UTEP lost to Northwestern 38 to 7. That, if that's the case of who this UTEP team is, U of A should win this game. But they have to avoid mistakes. Well, it'd be nice if they don't jump off sides like five times per game on defense, but we've been saying that for three years since Jed Fish has been the head coach. They do it every damn game. But UTEP is terrible. This is also UTEP's third road game already this year. They played week zero. They lost at uh, Jacksonville State to Rich Rodriguez. Uh, That particular game, and they got killed against a really not good Northwestern team last week. Uh, It's either the U of A or nobody, but I just couldn't possibly trust myself to take and lay any points. Uh, Double digits, and this this number is actually going up every day, it seems like. In fact, it definitely has gone up every day. I'm not laying points with this U of A team. I'm looking to play against them in some of the Pac-12 games upcoming instead. We got the NFL side of things on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060. Friday spread by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits continues next. HD Radio is here for KDUS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD2. Welcome back to the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, 2390 North Ulma School in Chandler. Visit them, vonhansensmeats.net. We'll have a $100 gift certificate available to you. Plus, if you are today's winner, make sure you come with your bet for the weekend. We'll put $5 on it. Tally everything up with our winnings at season's end and donate to charity. We'll go through just a couple of games here. We'll take a quick break, go through some more games, and then likely uh, continue on into hour two with the NFL conversation so let's get things started here with the Packers and the Falcons the Packers are on the road here 
Uh, this game has kind of been all over the place, but currently it's uh, yep. Packers plus one and a half, Falcons minus one and a half, over under sitting at 40 and a half. In week one, the Falcons had 29 passing yards through three quarters. They were able to take advantage of some turnovers. Desmond Ritter's average pass traveled 3.5 yards in the air. Uh, and then the question here is, are we maybe Worst giving... Worst in the league, right? Correct, I yes. from week one, yes, okay. And uh, the other question here is, are we giving the Packers too much credit for their week one win or just the right amount of credit? Well, first up, I think the reason this game has been dancing around point spread-wise is because of the Aaron Jones and Christian Watson situation. It's starting to look like neither are going to play this week unless they practice today. I know they didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday, uh, so we'll see what's up with that. I know it's been reported, and I'll dispute this, but uh, the insiders on both networks saying that the Packers are usually and have been conservative around the injury situations in the past. And I, that sounds right. I would remember if it wasn't right. I'd remember that for sure. So there's that. Uh, Jordan Love's numbers look good last week, and I saw highlights first, and then I saw a little more of the game since then. I think those numbers are somewhat phony. He was, I think he did some good things. The one thing for sure is that their te- the team certainly believes in him. You know, offensive and defensive players, I think the defensive part here is the key, uh, both talking him up before the season and then and obviously after the game last week. Uh, you mentioned Ritter. He was really, really bad. Uh, and, uh, you know, I actually heard him described by some of the covers the Falcons as more of a point guard than he is a quarterback or a passer. Uh, and I think that's accurate. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. As far as Atlanta goes, Jesse Bates, his first game was tremendous last week in that victory. Uh, Bijan, we know he could run, but, uh, you know, all those things. But how many touches is he going to get? Because you know, Algier is certainly going to be a factor. Also, it looks like that uh, Cordero Patterson uh, and uh, Jeffrey Akuda, who did not play last week, they're both practicing this week. So I assume they're going to play. I don't know how Patterson factors in, but Akuda. Uh, they traded for him, and he's supposed to be one of their starting corners. Uh, yeah, let's take a break now, and then we'll come back with uh, – we'll try to squeeze in a couple of more games on the other side of the break before we start things off again with our number two of the Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Certified Angus Beef Tri-Tip Roast at $12.99 a pound. Von Hansen's Own Chicken Parmesan at $5.99 a pound. An 8-ounce chicken skewers, butcher blend, and rosemary garlic, two for $12. That's the weekend specials there for Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. VonHansen'sMeats.net to check them out. Much more for the spreads and breakdowns of the NFL slate here in the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app. Powered by Superbook Sports. social information about KDUS AM 1060, try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060. Wrapping up our number one on this Friday, September 
September 15th. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortellaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Friday spread by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits continues right now with the NFL. Let's get into the Seahawks and the Lions. Currently, the number on the FanDuel Sportsbook app is Seahawks plus 4.5, Lions minus 4.5, over-under sitting at 47.5. You have the offensive line injury issues for Seattle here. Uh, In addition to last week against the uh, Rams, they had a second half in which they just had 12 yards of offense. As for the Lions, they've been resting since last Thursday here. Uh, So how do we not overreact to week one for both teams? Well, because you you just don't. I'm not going to, but I think that uh, I'm not going to change my opinion on the Lions. I think they've been overrated throughout the offseason. I know they won at Kansas City. I think that was more Kansas City losing that game than the Lions winning, even though Detroit did a really good job closing that game out and dominating the line of scrimmage. But uh, I'm really concerned about the Seahawks' defense. The front seven was terrible. You mentioned uh, all the lack of plays and yards. Well, the Seattle only had the ball for 19 minutes in that game. Uh, kind of hard to do anything on offense. They lose both tackles. Cross, it seems like, is questionable at best. Lucas is on IR. They brought in uh, Jason Peters. So no case for either side here, but I'm going to be watching closely because I think Detroit might still be overrated. And I think that Seattle, who I was on last week, when last year, excuse me, when nobody was, uh, I did well there, but now I'm kind of going against the grain, and I think they could be not nearly as good. They might be a 500 team. Raiders plus 8.5, Bills minus 8.5, over-under sitting at 47 on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Josh Allen uh, really isn't going to be as bad as he was last week. Three picks and a fumble. I have to think that he's going to clean up some of that. The Bills are the more talented squad here. Uh, The question for me for the Raiders side of things is, can they get Josh Jacobs going and try to control the clock that way? Yeah, that was weird last week because, you know, Denver had no pass rush, including they had the worst pressure rate of any team in the NFL in that game. So the Raiders' pass protection was great, but their run blocking was awful. Also, Jacoby Myers has been uh, ruled out of this game today by Josh McDaniels. He's still in the concussion protocol. Apparently, that's not going to get any better, uh, at least this week. So we'll see what's up. Uh, Josh Lyon, you hope he gets better, but he's thrown nine picks in his last five games now. Going back to last season, this is a game that if Buffalo is any good, I think they should torch and destroy the Raiders uh, with just the you know by throwing the ball. Quite frankly, because uh, I think the Raiders' uh, you know, secondary is not good, and I don't think too many people would actually argue with that. One other quick thing on Allen. I don't think there's any doubt, at least in my mind, that he has regressed the last two years with Ken Dorsey as the offensive coordinator and Brian Dayball off with the Giants now. Yeah, I'm curious about that. You know, just how much of that is some of the play calling? How much of that is some of the coaching? How much is that Josh feeling that he needs to do so much? Because, you know, the run game has been quite anemic for the Bills, and it's basically been Josh Allen for uh, the last couple of years. How much of that has just kind of translated into uh, making mistakes and not maybe taking half a second to, to survey the field and make a better, better read? So just kind of curious how all of that coincides. But it coincides with the fact that it's two-year sample size now with Dayball not there. We'll continue with Friday spread on the other side of the break. 